There's a lot changing today when it comes to policies, incentives, and regulations around reducing emissions and reducing climate change. We're here with Chris Hess, our Vice President of Public Affairs, to talk about some of the things that Eaton's doing to address these issues. Hi, Chris. Hi, Zari. Good How to be you with doing? you. I'm well. Good. Well. So tell me first a little bit, what does a Vice President of Public Affairs do? Uh, mainly we're charged with engaging external stakeholders, primarily governments but sometimes trade associations, customers, you know, and those types of stakeholders in, in related to the regulations and legislation that impact Eaton in our markets. So we work uh, at corporate for every function and business in the company. Mm -hmm. We get to leverage this wonderful footprint that we have around the globe to help us influence the policies and regulations that are making their way through governments around the world. And when we talk about the things that are most important to Eaton, that means we're talking about the things that are most important to our customers. Correct. Right? So when we think about, let's maybe start with emissions. So uh, there's a lot of different regulations coming up around the world. So we've got 2024 re emissions regulations here in the U.S., similar regulations happening in the European Union and China. But we're talking about now the next set of vehicle emissions regulations that are really going to address electrification. Tell me a little bit about what you see on the horizon. So yes, we're on the cusp of some finalization of regulations in the United States and Europe related to emissions of heavy duty and passenger vehicles. Eaton's been involved in a process over the last several years to influence those regulations so that the products and the systems that we can bring to the market are captured by those regulations the emissions reduction quality of those technologies. And then we work primarily with our customers and other organizations that care about reducing emissions to make sure that the, that the regulations are appropriate and that they're driving the proper stringency because sometimes they're not going far enough in the time horizon. And we're already looking at future regulations, the next generation of those regulations. And as we look to de develop our next generation of products, it's critical for us to understand where these governments are headed mm -hmm. so that we can it be like a roadmap for us as we develop these next generation sort of uh, emission reduction products. And eventually, we're talking about zero emission, all electrification, both in the passenger vehicle and then in the heavy duty space. Because we always start, it always starts generally in the passenger vehicles, right? And then moves to commercial heavy duty. Well, there's a couple reasons around that. One is because there are more passenger vehicles and their impact on the environment is more severe. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get to the greatest uh, sort of emissions reduction we can. So regulars focus on where the most emissions are coming from. And then there's more volume there. So for a company like Eaton, we wanna work on the technologies where there's more opportunity. Right. Um, we have all this experience working with the OEMs mm -hmm. and they have worked with us and know they can trust us. We model these technologies, we demonstrate what these can do in the regulatory process, and often they find their way into the uh, regulation itself. The other thing that we do is we work on how the governments around the world test compliance. It's important that they understand how vehicles work right. and where the emissions reductions is occurring so that you're promoting the adoption of the right technologies. And there's incentive from the regulation for companies like Eaton to invest in those technologies.
One of the other opportunities that government regulation brings is standardization. But what, do, uh, what are the benefits of regulation when it comes to standardizing an approach around the world? Well, there, there are several approaches trying to standardize global regulations. So again, that, that uh, entities around the world can focus their development on reducing emissions, not just for their own competitive advantage. Right. Um, in some cases, like the United States, the state of California plays an outsized role in regulation setting because they have the ability to set their own stringency and their own standards through their own rulemaking through the Clean Air Act going back 40 years. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, um, you would rather have a national standard than just have the state of California doing because you don't want two markets in a jurisdiction. Just like if you think around the globe, you like to have Europe and the U.S. sort of working together because those OEMs serve both those markets. Exactly. Okay, so we touched on emissions, but when we think about the next generation of regulations and incentives, we're talking about moving further into electrification of vehicles. And that's where the innovation that's happening in our e-mobility business really comes to play. Can you talk a little bit about how the decisions that we're making in terms of innovation in that business are being affected by or are affecting government regulations for electrification? Absolutely. So, you know, for over 100 years, we've been involved in really making safe, efficient, and effective uh, internal combustion engines and continually to make that uh, internal combustion engine more efficient, driving more value for our customers, more productivity. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you know, we're going to be electrifying a lot of the components that are in your traditional internal combustion engine on the passenger side or the heavy-duty uh, truck side. But eventually, we are really he going headstrong into the zero emissions world from all our, of our technologies. We have a lot of opportunity there uh, with our experience on the electrical business in power conversion and inversion, power safety and security. And for us, it's just really a natural fit. So we're, we're bringing these technologies together and bringing them to our customers uh, to really help drive adoption. On the automotive side, it's a little bit more streamlined, uh, but the, the growth in, those, in the adoption of um, EVs over the last several years has been amazing. And I think that, um, that not, not only the fact that there are more variety of vehicles available, and all of the OEMs are now heading headstrong into that area, right? Um, we are in a position to bring solutions to all of them. So it's a pretty exciting opportunity. The, um, the regulatory roadmaps that are presented through the various governments around the world, and principally it's China, it's Europe, and the United States, allow us to develop the technologies along with the regulatory schemes that are in these jurisdictions. It gives us certainty to make those investments so that we know that the market will be there. And that's the really key for that regulation. And it's also the expertise, right? It's we understand those applications. We have people who've been working in them for a long time. We have customers who can give us feedback and information about how their systems really work. And that feeds into not only our innovation and our technology roadmaps, but also the position that we take with helping to influence the kinds of regulations we really need. So when we think about electric vehicles, yes that also lends itself to talking about electric vehicle charging infrastructure, right? Because you can't have electric vehicles without ways to charge them. Right. It's a classic chicken and egg, op, uh, you know, right. situation. Right. Does the infrastructure come before the vehicle or right. should the vehicles come before the infrastructure? But when we think about charging and um, how we use that to drive towards net zero or reducing emissions, that also means renewables. Right. 
right? So tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of, again, regulation, policy, and the discussions that we're having around how to drive that energy transition forward. So if you think about the ecosystem that's gonna be required to make sure that we can charge all of these vehicles, um, you're really gonna need to upgrade the capabilities of our electrical grid. Uh, and not just here in the United States, but in Europe and China, around the globe. And Eaton is so well positioned and we've turned our ship towards that direction. Right. We're gonna be about that turnkey solution that's gonna provide the residential or the commercial or the industrial sort of site, the opportunity to incorporate all of these technologies and electrify not only their production processes, but all of their vehicles and so forth. And then have the opportunity to do, you know, sort of taking power from a vehicle or from a data center and putting it back on the grid and contributing to, um, to reducing the power that you need to generate from a power plant. When we talk about power generation, that's when that renewable comes in. Now, of course, you can do your own renewable, uh, you know, sort of uh, production on your house with solar panels and so forth. And that's sort of the concept around the distributed energy resource and the rules and regs around that. But there's also the, the production of um, that electricity in a wide scale. And it's the solar, the wind, and other opportunities hydro for storage, hydro, right? mm -hmm. and the need to store it so that you right. use it at the right time. And, and the governments around the world are saying, we need to do all of this. So if you look at the, the, the legislation, the policies, the incentives, and the regulations that are making their way through, they're addressing all of this at the same time. And again, coming out of the pandemic, the, the governments around the world saw the opportunity to accelerate adoption and the real need and necessity to accelerate adoption so that we can finally really start working on it, reducing the impacts of climate change. So when we talk about everything as a grid and our approach to the energy transition, right? We're talking about buildings as a grid, data centers as a grid, vehicles as a grid. So this idea of being able to think about all the different applications that we participate in now and using the power generated in those applications to either store or sell back to the utility. What are the government kind of angles to that or regulatory angles right. that impact those different applications? So, so it differs by jurisdiction, but okay. generally what it means is that they're gonna put regulations in place that require adoption of certain technologies or require or ban the emissions. They, they gradually will reduce the emissions level so that you have to incorporate technologies to meet those. Right. And it, if it's uh, power generation by a utility, uh, then it would be the incorporation of more renewables and wind power or hydropower. And to, a certain to, percent to of renewables so, that so have it's to contribute. Mid, and typically it, it gets you to a point so you start off and you have to meet more stringent standards as you go. So it's a step up every single year until you reach an ultimate goal and then you start over with the reg. So for companies like Eaton, we go to talk to governments about that. We talk to them about what's possible within the time frame of a regulation and how can you do it cost effectively so that these are technologies that are readily available, they're not future, but you can, you can buy them today and oh, by the way, they have a really good return on investment. And governments are looking for you know, a year to 18 months return on investments in a lot of times to really drive widespread adoption of it. So you got the regulatory and you also got a market driver there. And that's where Eaton really plays well. Let's dive a little bit deeper and talk about some of the other policies and incentives that are happening right now in different jurisdictions around the world. So why don't we start with the US? There are a couple of legislation um, opportunities 
on the horizon. Can we talk a little bit about what is happening right now and where you see opportunities and maybe even challenges? So this really started uh, as a result of the pandemic. So governments around the world, in particular where we focus on this is the US and in the EU, we're, we're coming up with funding mechanisms to address the issues related to the pandemic, the economic uncertainty of, of having to shut down the economy for a while, right? right? So that's a big shock. So once they got to addressing that, they said, well, we wanna make investments in areas that will actually promote our growth and address our societal issues going forward. So when we think about that, it's often about um, climate change. So it's sort of a dual purpose. In the United States, we had several pack legislative packages that made their way through. And, and at first it was immediately address the concerns and the issues people are having with deal dealing with the pandemic we didn't know right much now. about right. right now. So we spent $1.6 trillion, boom, on all of those initiatives. Then we got to the next stages where we're gonna come out of a recession caused by a pandemic. Mm -hmm. That was recovery, right? So again, in that package, there were billions of dollars to a to, a, to go to schools and hospitals, to give them the, the necessary tools to have people go back to school and to deal with the pandemic itself. At that time, they were incentivizing and funding energy efficiency, emissions reduction, building upgrades. So you're starting to see the beginning of a program. And then it's like, okay, now we're going into the next stage. So we're gonna be full on recovery. Right. And when we're recovering, we want resiliency, and we want next generation technologies. Now there's a bill going through that will provide further incentives through the tax code that will offer tax credits for the adoption of electric vehicles, both passenger and heavy duty trucks, for the infrastructure needed to refuel those, right? And we're gonna be incentivizing solar, wind, energy storage for the first time, microgrid controllers for the first time, for the next 10 years, so you got a nice, 10-year window of tax credits that gives the market a signal like, hey, invest in these technologies, do it now, do right? it now and you could take advantage of these credits. Mm -hmm. You need those sustainable incentives there so that the market continues to make the investments. And this is on an annual basis. In Europe, they did something very similar. Um, res resiliency and recovery package coming out of the EU, it's over six years. Each member state is gonna get an allocation. Each member state has their own plan but all of them are, are really focused around incorporating electric vehicle, electrification, more incorporation of renewables so that they can come out of this recovery investing in the next generation technologies to reduce emissions, meet their goals. And they've got a program called Fit for 50, which will couple in regulations on top of this. So you have carrot and stick working together at the same time. And we're at Eaton influencing what's going into those programs uh, both here in the United States and in Europe and influencing what's going into those regulations so that we we couple the sector so that they're working together just like we work on energy transition with everything as a grid bringing these different technologies into the same space and leveraging those opportunities to really drive uh, adoption of new technologies but also emissions reduction um, in a distributed energy resource kind of way localized production and, and localized sort of um, contributions to energy to the grid. And so we talked a little bit about the US, we talked about Europe. Why don't we touch a little bit on what's happening in China? Right, so China really, to their credit, has been investing in these before the pandemic. So right. they have a five-year plan and, and their goal is to be self-sufficient. So not to be 
borrowing technologies from other areas of the world, but, but to be leading. So they have been, you know, they, they said at one point, like, we're not going to focus on internal combustion engine. We're focusing on what's next. So they're leading the world in EVs, mm -hmm. right, in EV, EV technology. Um, they're also incorporating renewables. Now, they use a lot more energy than the rest of the world, right. so they're using all of the above. But eventually, obviously, they're trying to incentivize themselves to use those next generation technologies to do use the renewable sources, to use electrification um, and, and through their incentives, but also through regulation. So you've got zero emission areas, you've got um, uh, fuel economy standards mm -hmm. and so forth that are really going to help them drive adoption as well. Can we touch a little bit on how emerging economies think about this space? So when you think about some of the, the parts of the world that maybe aren't as technology forward or aren't as modernized as some of the ones we've talked about, how are their governments thinking about maybe using what they see in other countries and, and adjusting it to meet kind of where their economies are? When you look at other countries that maybe not don't have those capabilities, they do benefit because eventually the, the technologies that are being developed in other jurisdictions become commonplace. And of course, when, when you start off on a journey for technology, it's very expensive. And that journey includes a cost out and a reduction right. that comes from better utilization, better efficiency of subcomponents that we know all about, and volume. Mm -hmm. that's, the mar that's the key. And that's where the, the key, of, that the policies and the regulations gotta be in place to, to ensure that you're gonna see those volumes and those uh, you get the scale that you need to get the costs reduced significantly. Mm -hmm. We've seen a huge paradigm shift in the cost of batteries. Right. And that in itself is going to be a huge contributor. Still a lot of room to grow, though. There's a lot more to do, but we are really at a place where we're coming close to parity on the cost from bat a battery and from an con internal combustion engine because of the cost of internal combustion engine fuel, fuel. and the battery cost coming way down. And when you think about batteries and kind of the second life of batteries, that's how we're looking at energy storage, right? Being able to use. Yeah, there's, there's some novel approaches. Uh, we have some case studies where we've, we've done this, where I believe we worked with Nissan, Nissan to, mm -hmm. to uh, do an energy storage platform with batteries that were past their useful life for vehicles, but were perfect for, you know, en storing energy at a stadium, so to speak. This is the, the model that we want to replicate in all different types of situations. And it's one that um, we see as the, the definite future. So we've got businesses working to bring that to the market. And it's such a great example of the circular economy, right? And how we really drive more toward, uh, toward a more sustainable supply chain yeah. to be able to think about technology, not just for the application that it might be used for today, but how can we reuse that technology for something innovative in the future? Right. And Europe is driving that adoption because they have a circular economy regulation along with the emissions regulations, okay. right? So they're not only saying you need to bring these, these new products to the market because they're gonna help us contribute to climate change, you know, and addressing that challenge, but also what happens to that product at the end of life? And how are you gonna use that so that it is, continues to add value to our ecosystem? Resources are finite. So finding better ways to use a battery at the end of its useful life in a vehicle and have it applied to an energy storage application makes perfect sense. And it's gonna be a great business. So how does Eaton work with customers to help them make the most out of some of these policy incentives? 
Well, I think when you think about, for example, the infrastructure package that passed last year, and we talked about $1.2 trillion going into uh, in improving our infrastructure, but also a lot of money for electrification, for airports and vehicles and school buses and the infrastructure needed to fuel them. We have a really good expertise in understanding how that money moves and how it flows and where it goes to. Does it go into our distribution channel? Does it go to our end customers? Will it be put out with an RFP and we got to go hunt for it and get it? We have a team of people embedded in both the industrial and the electrical sector identifying those opportunities. We work with them to show when the money will be there, what's the eligible uses. So we're preparing now and we've been preparing as an organization for these huge opportunities. It's gonna be really exciting. So customers can really come to us and say, hey, I know you guys can help me in the technology space here, but can you also help me understand how I need to build my roadmap or my timeline to take advantage of this technology with the intent of being able to leverage the incentives. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're in a position to tell you if you're eligible and if you, make, if you meet those criteria, how can we best work together to win and to, get, and to be awarded money? In other circumstances, it's going out formulaically. So it just goes out to cities and state governments. That's, it's important too to understand, okay, where's the money going? Mm -hmm. Where are the big projects gonna be? You know, the teams are all really tracking that feeding that information to our teams in sales, and also working with the end customer to say, hey, have you thought about what you're gonna do when this money shows up? Right. And you'll be surprised at what the kind of response you get. We're preparing to be able to answer those questions. Thank you so much, Chris, for spending some time with me today talking about how Eaton and our public affairs team are helping drive the energy transition. If you wanna learn more about the energy transition, Visit us at eaton.com slash energy transition. Thank you, Zari. It's always exciting to talk about public affairs. If you want to learn more about government incentives and regulations that impact the energy transition, visit eaton.com slash stronger future.